Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. They say every pregnancy is different, which means the symptoms you're experiencing now you may not experience with your next baby. So, how do we know what's normal, and how do we know when it's time to call the doctor or midwife because something may be wrong? I'm Erin Phillips, a certified nurse midwife and nurse practitioner with Scripps Coastal Medical Center, and this is Preggy Pals, episode 14. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant. And I have to exercise? What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit! I've got cankles! What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. In addition to listening to our episodes, be sure to visit our website, which is preggypals.com, to check out our blog and product reviews of pregnancy products. And that's also where you can subscribe to our Preggy Pals newsletter, featuring exclusive behind-the-scenes content from our show, special giveaways and contests, discounts, and much more. And don't forget, you can now take Preggy Pals wherever you go, because our apps are now available available in the Amazon Android market and the iTunes App Store. So they have great features like the ability to be able to star your favorite episodes, as well as instant access to our most recent episodes and social networking sites. So let's meet our panelists that are joining us here in the studio. Stephanie, why don't you kick things off? Hi, I'm Stephanie Sawfeld. I'm 29. I am a gemologist. I am due January 9th with my first child, and we don't know the gender yet. And we are having a hospital birth. My name is Misty Davies. I'm 33. I'm a gemologist as well. Uh, I'm due October 10th, and it's a girl. It's my first, and I'm hoping for unmedicated hospital birth. All right. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us, ladies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're going to kick things off with our news headlines. And all of these headlines are posted to our Preggy Pals Pinterest board if you guys want to check them out. This is a fun one, you guys. I was so excited to hear what you have to say. So I found this just the other day. Apparently, this took place in Mankato, Minnesota. A bar has installed a pregnancy test dispenser like you would have like for tampons. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is how I'm envisioning it in my head. Um, and it's only in the women's restroom. And he says it's an effort to prevent fetal alcohol syndrome. So he says, this is the owner of uh, this bar. He says it may sound a little bit strange, but, you know, when someone approached him with the idea, he thought about it and really quickly made this decision and um, obviously wants to help make sure that the people that are drinking in his bar, um, you know, don't inadvertently, you know, get pregnant and have a baby. But then I'm like, okay, so they're going to find out they're pregnant, but how does that really stop fetal alcohol syndrome? I'm not really quite sure on the correlation right there, but I'm so curious to hear what you guys have to say about this. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Seriously. So what, you're out having some cocktails and you're like, you know what? I might be pregnant. pregnant. Let me just check. Let me just make sure. Right here and now. Yeah. Yeah, That seems a little strange. I think so too. I mean, I guess... I guess his heart is in the right place. You know, it seems yeah. like he's trying to do something but good. But at the same time, when you find out, you know, I mean, I guess if you just stopped right then and there, you just didn't take another sip. Right. Maybe that's what he's trying to say regarding the fetal alcohol syndrome. But I'm kind of like, people are hanging out in your bar a long time. I mean, I don't, I don't Usually know. it takes a couple of weeks for an over-the-counter urine pregnancy test to become positive. So Aww. that is kind of the catch-22 of this scenario. You right. could have become pregnant and still have a negative urine pregnancy test when really you are still pregnant. So it is better if you think that you could be pregnant to avoid alcohol until you have your next menstrual period. Right, right. right. Well, the one thing that this article does say, and those of you who have taken you know pregnancy tests, I'm, I'm sure all of our panelists have. I have, obviously. I have two kids at home. I had to find out somehow. Um, but it does say that the pregnancy tests are only three bucks, which if you've gone in the store to buy a pregnancy test, those are expensive. Yeah, they're you know, yeah. Right? Three And then for me, um, at least with my firstborn, um, we were having a hard time conceiving. And, and so I did all the ovulation tests and stuff. And those are expensive too. So when I was first reading this, I'm like, oh, what is this guy doing? And then I'm like, $3 pregnancy test. Yeah. Oh my God. Suddenly hey, it's, it's a fantastic idea. Um, Misty, what do you think? Uh, it's a little, it's a little strange, but I, I'm I'm starting to think that maybe it's not a bad idea. I mean, right. if you have to, you go into the bar and then eventually, yes, you have to go to the restroom. You go in there, you see it. It kind of makes you stop and think. Yeah. Like, do I really okay, want to have maybe, another well, drink? And then, yeah. Do I want to have another drink? Um, just make sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand. I don't see anything. I, I, I'm starting to, it, it's strange, but I don't. I don't know. It's yeah. sounding like a better and better idea. Right. How would you even know to look in the tampon machine, though? See, if well, I'm I- sure it's going to be in a, its own separate machine. But <laughs> I'm thinking of it in my head that With it's flashing like lights, it. right? <laughs> right. Are you pregnant? Uh, yes. Find out now. <laughs> but the owner says that uh, he thinks this is going to be less embarrassing than having to go to a drugstore. Were you guys embarrassed to no, to buy no. a pregnancy test? Mm-mm. Yeah, I was always embarrassed to buy condoms, but um, pregnancy test. No, not really embarrassed to buy. I guess it all all depends on your situation and how you kind of got into that position. But I I was always trying to have a baby. So like, yeah, you see that test? Yeah, I'm going to take that (laughs) test. I was very always, you know, happy about it. But okay, well, thanks for your opinions, ladies. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. With stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.
Today, we're talking about the top 10 reasons you should call your doctor or midwife while pregnant. Erin Phillips is joining us here in the studio. You heard her in the beginning. She is a certified... Mer- no, I can't talk. Let me just pick it. Okay. I'm a, yeah, you're immersed today. Okay. Today, we're talking about the top 10 reasons you should call your doctor or your midwife while pregnant. And Erin Phillips is joining us here in the studio. She is a certified nurse, midwife, and nurse practitioner with Scripps Coastal Medical Center right here in San Diego. So, Erin... First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Glad you to so be much. Here. So let's go through this top ten list, and and I do want to say some things off off the top here, and that is we're not rating these in you know matter of importance or not importance. We're just literally giving you the top overall reasons. But you can always call your doctor. We're not saying don't call your doctor if you don't see this stuff. That's always a fallback. But I know for me, when I was pregnant, I always thought twice twice about, you know, should I should I call them? Should I not call them? Should I bug them? They have a lot of patients already. So really this episode is just um to basically serve as a buffer, <laughs> if you if you will, a filter. So um, you know, if you're experiencing any of these, obviously call your doctor. But at any time, if you are concerned, you should call your doctor. So I just wanted to clear the air in the beginning with that. Okay, so Aaron, let's go through some of these. The first one we want to talk about is vaginal bleeding. What's going on when and we see, um, you know, blood. There are multiple causes of vaginal bleeding in pregnancy. So I'm going to kind of break it up between first trimester and beyond the first trimester. In first trimester, you could have bleeding from several things, either from implantation as the fertilized egg is implanting into the uterine wall. You can have a little bit of spotting. That's very, very common. does not mean you're going to have a miscarriage. But another common reason is possible miscarriage because miscarriage occurs in one out of five to six pregnancies. So it's actually something that I see on a fairly regular basis and will usually see several times a week in my practice. There are also more unusual causes like a cervical polyp or something that you can't really see or know you have unless you see your physician or midwife. Um, Later in pregnancy, um, vaginal bleeding can be caused by intercourse or um, it can also be caused by placenta previa, which means you may have your placenta covering your cervix. So if you have a contraction, um, it can uh, cause a little bit of bleeding beneath the placenta, which actually will come out through the cervix. That's not something that is uh, very common, um, although we do see it on a regular basis um, because of the high volume that we have in our office. Um, but we are tending to see placenta previas more because of the higher cystic Syrian section rate. So um, the placenta will uh, tend to implant over any abnormal uh, surface in the uterus. So you do see more uh, lower uterine segment implantation of the placenta. Um, Also, labor is a cause of vaginal bleeding. So when you get to full term, which is 37 weeks or more, and you start having regular contractions, you may see some vaginal bleeding and a little bit is okay. We expect that as as the cervix thins out and starts to dilate. Um, We call it bloody show. Um, I usually tell patients if you're bleeding and you're not sure if you should come in and you're full term, put a pad on and see how much bleeding you're having. If you're starting to soak the pad or even half a pad like you're on your period, that's more than bloody show and you should probably come in or call your doctor. Yeah. I think if I saw any blood at any time, it might freak me out. Yeah, you're right. It does freak most patients out. And it should. I think it's good to be very cautious. 
Um, I also warn my patients uh, when I check their cervix, whether I check them, you know, if they're preterm or full term, I usually warn them and say, you may have a little bit of vaginal bleeding after my exam or after I do a transvaginal ultrasound in the first trimester, you'll often see a little bit of spotting because the cervix is more sensitive when you're pregnant. When it's touched, it bleeds more easily. So occasionally patients will um, have spotting after intercourse. And I usually will um, triage them over the phone and just ask them a few questions about their bleedings and their symptoms and what happened recently, and then make a determination about whether or not their symptoms warrant uh, further investigation in the office. Okay. Our next one is headache, fainting, and dizziness, which could be caused by a lot of things. So when do you know when it's something that you should really be concerned about? Well, I think the most important thing is to make sure that you're really well hydrated. I think sometimes it's hard to sort out all these different symptoms in pregnancy because in pregnancy you are more fatigued. Um, you tend to become more anemic, which lends itself to having more dizziness in pregnancy. Um, but the most common cause that I see is dehydration. So when patients call me with dizziness, I usually recommend that they drink a liter of water, lay down for an hour, and if it's not getting better, you know, call me. The other times um, you can have low blood sugar. So if you haven't eaten for a long period of time, you may need to have a snack and uh, lay down for a little while to, you know, before you start to feel better. So I usually recommend trying a snack, fluids, and rest. And if your dizziness still persists, then come in to see your doctor for, you know, uh, for them to be able to probe a little bit further, ask some more questions, and find out if there's really something more to it. What could it be if there's something more to it? Any ideas? Well, anemia is probably the most common thing that I see in my practice. I will often check uh a blood count on a patient to make sure that they're um, not iron deficient um, because uh, if you're if you don't have enough hemoglobin, um, which is the molecule that carries oxygen, you're going to get less oxygen to your tissues and to your brain, and you're going to feel more fatigued and dizzy. So, um, you know, there are potentially other causes for you know dizziness, headache. A lot of women get migraines, um, so that is a potential cause. And of course, there are other illnesses, such as the flu, that could cause these symptoms. Okay. Now, Misty, I'm looking over at you, and, and you made some sort of sign over to Stephanie. So have you experienced any of these, or what was the look uh, for? No, she was just talking about headaches. Yeah, I was telling oh, her this she morning was talking we about headaches. In. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so you had a headache this morning. Oh, well, I have, I have headaches every morning okay. when I wake up. Yeah. So... Probably is dehydration, you know, not drinking through the night because I don't want to wake up more than the three times I already am. (laughs) Um, So do you recommend drinking more water throughout the night too? Absolutely. I think you need at least three liters of water per day in your pregnancy. And most women are not getting enough. They may be drinking three liters, but it's not always water. If you're drinking caffeinated beverages like tea or coffee, um, those tend to be very dehydrating. So you'll tend to urinate more and uh, be more dizzy. So it should be three liters of water. Of water per day. And then if you want to add to that with some Gatorade or, you know, your drink of choice, you know, <laughs> outside of wine and beer, et cetera, <laughs> then, um, you know, that would be, that would be 
helpful to prevent it from happening. So in pregnancy, I usually recommend that my patients try extra strength Tylenol for their headaches. Um, also, you know, if you're having them on a regular basis, you can try that. At the end of pregnancy, headaches tend to um, be a little bit more uh, cause for alarm just because headaches can be one of the symptoms of preeclampsia. So when you're talking to your doctor or midwife about headaches, we do take into consideration uh, your gestational age or how far along you are to try to sort out, you know, is this something that's dangerous or not? Okay. And on that note, I'm going to take a drink of water. Okay. Our next one is frequent and painful urination. What could that be a result of? Well, Unfortunately, I know too well that um, painful urination is often a sign of a urinary tract infection or bladder infection. The reason why it's so significant in pregnancy um, is twofold. One, urinary tract infections can cause preterm contractions. So it is very important to treat uh, urinary tract infection in pregnancy so that you don't have preterm labor because of it. Um, because of that, uh, phenomenon, we screen all of our prenatal patients with a urinalysis and culture in their uh, at their first OB appointment. So a lot of times I do call patients back and let them know that they have a urinary tract infection. Even if they're not having symptoms, I do treat it in pregnancy. And then when they come back um, for their follow-up visit in four weeks, I usually rescreen them to make sure that the urinary tract infection has resolved. The other reason urinary tract infection can be um, detrimental to pregnancy is because uh, we don't want the bacteria to work its way up the ureters into the kidneys, and uh, patients uh, can develop something called pyelonephritis, which is a kidney infection uh, that usually starts with a bladder infection. Um, that can be very serious for uh, moms and babies both. Okay. I actually had this happen um, with my last pregnancy. Probably within the first couple months, I had a urinary tract infection. And unfortunately, I've had some bladder complications in the past. So I am quite familiar with urinary tract <laughs> infections. Um, but I got really nervous because I was like, I heard that this could lead to preterm labor. And I think they told me that the medicine that they put me on, is it slightly different if you're pregnant as opposed to having a urinary tract infection and not being pregnant? Well, yes and no. Um, there are a couple antibiotics that we tend not to use in the last month of pregnancy because okay. it can cause icterus in the baby. Um, but, uh, you know, earlier in pregnancy, I usually use the same antibiotics that I would use um, for a non-pregnant patient. But it also depends on the patient allergies and it depends on the urine culture. So you may start a patient on an antibiotic because they tell you they're having burning with urination. And while you're waiting for the culture to come back, which usually takes about three days, by that third day you might, might find out that the the bacteria that is in the urine is actually not sensitive to the antibiotic that you started the patient on. So you'll often have to switch the antibiotic. So urine cultures are very valuable. Okay. Bouts of pelvic pain. What could that be a result of? Sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but everybody that's pregnant is probably going to experience uh, some degree of pelvic pain. Have you ladies experienced yeah. that yet? So how do you know what's normal and what's not normal? That's a good question. Usually as you get bigger, you tend to experience heaviness in your pelvis. You might feel some separation of the pubic bones. A lot of women have 
uh, pain right at the symphysis pubis, which is where the bones connect in the front uh, by a little um, band of cartilage. And uh, as you have that uh, relaxing hormone produced, the hips separate and it pulls on that cartilage band in the middle. So um, a lot of patients will have uh, sharp pain there on the bone. So reasons uh, that would that I would be concerned about pelvic pain would be if you have other symptoms like vaginal bleeding, spotting, leaking of fluid, or if you're feeling preterm contractions, which feel like menstrual cramps, usually. Some people describe them as like a Charlie horse in your belly. So um, it is sometimes hard to distinguish, okay, is this normal or not normal? I, I encourage all of my patients to get a pregnancy support belt, um, which can be kind of like a bra for your belly. It kind of pulls the belly up and in so that when you're moving around or working, you're you're not jiggling so much. You have less pressure on your pelvis. Um, and also it helps with back support because women often have that exaggerated lo- lower lumbar curvature, that lordosis uh, from being pregnant. So that can be very helpful. But I find if women are using that and they're still having pelvic pain, it's definitely something to look into. Yeah, I think it's the, the Charlie horse pain that you're talking about. I would feel every once in a while, it's just, it's really, it was really brief, but it just felt like this shooting pain. It wasn't like a consistent menstrual cramping or something like that, but it felt like it just kind of shot up through your body, mm-hmm. you know? And so every time it did, I was like, oh, I hope it doesn't happen again. And sometimes it would happen a couple seconds later or whatever. So I'm assuming that's one of the things that uh, a lot of women, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not the only one that's experienced no, this. No, yeah, I've, I've, had, I'd, I've okay. had that. So, yeah. But it was, it wasn't really like a sharp pain. It was just kind uh-huh. of a little bit like a cramp and then it uh-huh. would kind of go away. It didn't hurt hurt. Right. And what you're describing right now are Braxton Hicks contractions. Braxton Hicks contractions are just those irregular, painless contractions where you feel like you're all balled up or you just feel tight, but then it goes away and it doesn't really turn into anything. And those are okay. But once they become rhythmic and painful, that's when we're getting into preterm labor. So the rule that I use for my patients is if you're having six painful contractions per hour, which would be one every 10 minutes, Um, then you need to call us um, and let us know so that we can decide whether or not to bring you in. So usually I use that rule once you're 24 weeks or more, um, which is really when you're in that window for preterm labor. Okay. So we're on this pain kick. So let's let's continue. Let's talk about leg pain. And and Misty, I'm so curious. I I know that you've had some bouts with leg pain. What was your experience? Uh, Well, I found out that I had a deep vein thrombosis. Um, I just, for a few days, my, around my hip area was hurting. And it was around the same time I was having kind of pelvic pain too, which, Mm -hmm. so I thought it was just the relaxant in my system, kind of making everything like stretch and grow and and I was dog sitting so I thought that maybe you know I had overdone it a little bit um but then I I called my doctor you know it was about three days and it was getting harder and harder to walk Mm -hmm. um and then I noticed a little bit of swelling um so yeah I called the doctor and they told me that I should come in since I'm having some swelling uh went to the doctor you know found out I I should go to the emergency room and uh, yeah, so I got I, I got the DVT and <laughs> and you got the full workup right yes yes <laughs> so um, leg pain is very common in pregnancy and uh, DVT is deep 
vein thrombosis, which means a blood clot somewhere in your legs, most commonly in the calf area. Um, the reason why that is uh, more uh, common in pregnancy is because your blood is in a state where it clots more easily during the pregnant period uh, as well as the postpartum period. So we're always very suspicious of uh, one-sided leg pain or one-sided leg swelling. That The first question I always ask my patient is, are you having this pain on both sides? If you're having it on both sides, you know, that are and they're pretty even, I usually think it's probably less likely to be a blood clot in the leg versus if you're having on one side and not the other. That raises my eyebrows a little bit. Uh, so you don't want to, if you're having uh, pain on one side, you don't want to massage it until you check with your doctor because you don't want to dislodge a blood clot. Uh, how long would you suggest someone wait? I mean, I it was three days I was having pain uh-huh. in my leg, um, but it wasn't really swelling. Uh-huh. Well, I think that um, I would do some stretching exercises first in case it's just a tight muscle. But I think if you've done stretching exercises, you've rested, you've taken some extra strength Tylenol, then I would suggest going to see your doctor or midwife if the pain isn't getting better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap up our top 10 list. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're chatting with Erin Phillips, a certified nurse midwife and nurse practitioner, about the top 10 reasons we should call our doctor or midwife when pregnant. So let's go ahead and wrap up this list. Chills or fever higher than 103 degrees. And I guess we can add vomiting to that list as well. Yeah. Usually I tell my patients, if you have uh, fever, aches, or chills, that's something that you should call your doctor or midwife about. I do... Always caution them, if you think that you're ill with a bacterial or viral illness, you may want to call primary care because I don't like to uh, bring sick patients into my office because they are exposing other patients. Usually I use the rule fever greater than 101 rather than 103, at least for my patients. And the reason is, in adults, your fevers tend to um, not get quite as high as in kids. So I know with my kids, my daughter had a, a urinary tract infection as a little girl and uh, her temperature got to 104 and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is outrageously high. And I yeah. called her pediatrician. They said, you know, that's normal right. for little kids. They tend to get higher fevers. But in you and I, as adults, our fevers just don't get that high. So if it's if it's 101 or above, then I usually recommend that you call so we can bring you in or even just talk to you over the phone to try to find out what are your other symptoms. Because um, as we discussed earlier, it could be urinary tract infection. You know, it could be something that's relatively easy to treat um, or it could be something more serious like the flu. And what about vomiting? I mean, we're talking about um, excessive vomiting or if you just vomit once or what are your advice That's a good that? question. In the first trimester, I usually tell my patients, if you're throwing up and you can't keep food or fluids down, then you need to call me. Um, we do prescribe uh, antiemetics, which are anti-nausea medications in pregnancy um, that can alleviate your symptoms so that you can at, lo- at least tolerate small uh, meals or bland foods like crab crackers, toast, uh, chicken noodle soup. Um, And if that doesn't work, oftentimes we do have to send patients 
uh, to urgent care so that they can get IV fluids um, and some IV uh, nausea medication. Um, in extreme cases, we actually refer patients to home health so that they can get fluids on a regular basis if they're not keeping anything down. Um, so don't hesitate to ask your doctor uh, if the amount of vomiting that you're having is normal. I also look at weight gain or weight loss. You know, if a patient comes to me and says, you know, I'm, I've been feeling really sick and I see um, that they've lost five pounds, that's a red flag for me. Then I know they're, they're not just uh, exaggerating. They really mean it. They're not eating normally. Yeah. So in later in pregnancy, um, vomiting can be a sign of labor. I probably see uh, patients uh, have at least nausea, if not vomiting, uh, during labor about 50% of the time. So we can use those anti-nausea medications in labor. But occasionally patients will have nausea and vomiting uh, that is totally unrelated to labor, um, either in the second or third trimester. There are a lot of different causes of nausea and vomiting. It could be... Um, pancreatitis, it could be gallstones, uh, it could be something uh, related to pregnancy called HELP syndrome, uh, which stands for uh, hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, enzymes, and low platelets. And um, so whenever a patient uh, comes in with these symptoms, before we send them home, we usually do a panel of tests to check their liver and kidney function um, before we send them home or uh, refer them over to primary care if we think it's something that's not related to pregnancy. Okay. What about a steady and heavy vaginal discharge? Well, that's a hard one um, because almost everybody has vaginal discharge in pregnancy, um, and it's hard to know, okay, is this normal or not normal? So the first things I ask patients are, uh, is number one, you know, is it itchy? Uh, number two, does it smell bad? Uh, number three, you know, does it hurt when you have intercourse? Um, and number four, um, does it keep coming out when you have no pants on? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so people have to walk around with no pants. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, you know, in cases where I'm trying to figure out whether or not their water is broken, especially if they're calling me on the phone, I say, you know, take your underwear off, wear a skirt, walk around the house for a while. Is it dripping down your leg? If it's dripping down your leg, it, it's, you know, very possible it could be your amniotic fluid. Whereas it, if it's just discharge, usually you're not going to have that much excess. Yeah. So, um, so the most common reasons for excess vaginal discharge are just, you know, um, the mucus that your cervix produces, um, bacterial vaginosis. You could have an overgrowth of bacteria. Um, you could have a yeast infection. Um, and then it could be your amniotic fluid. And the most important one to tell your doctor about is whether or not it's amniotic fluid. So, and sometimes you don't know until you come in and you actually have a few tests done to rule that out. Right. I remember when I was in labor with my firstborn, I was like, I don't know if my water broke or if I'm just peeing myself yeah. <laughs> and I have no control over this. Because, <laughs> you know, you get to you get to a point when, you know, you're about ready to burst that there's not much you can control down there. It's That's just like, right. It might just be happening. That's and right. And a lot of women are very embarrassed when they come see me and they tell me, I think my water broke. And then I end up telling them in the end, I think you might have just oh. had a little bit of incontinence. <laughs> you know, it's very embarrassing. But I always reassure patients, most other pregnant ladies um, are experiencing the same thing. 
So you're not yeah. the only one. It's kind of like hemorrhoids. Everybody that has hemorrhoids thinks, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And I always tell them, you know what? Look around the room. Anybody that's ever had a baby in here has probably had a hemorrhoid yeah. before. So Exactly. <laughs> Makes us feel better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> sudden swelling of hands, feet, and face. So, you know, swelling for me, it wasn't sudden in any of my pregnancies. But man, sometimes you just feel like a big old sausage, you know, your your feet or your, you know, your ankles and stuff like that. So really, that's the key here. We're talking about something had- happening suddenly. Yeah. Um, you know, as from personal experience, when I was pregnant with my first, um, I developed severe preeclampsia and I had a 10 pound weight gain in one week. That is not normal. Um, you know, and that's something that you'll see with uh, swelling that happens suddenly is a sudden weight gain. Um, you're not feeling well. You might have chest pain, upper right-sided uh, abdominal pain, headache, blurry vision. Those are all symptoms of preeclampsia. Um, it's very common in pregnancy to become swollen in the third trimester, and a little bit of swelling is considered normal. But we start seeing patients more frequently in the third trimester because we are on the lookout for preeclampsia, which uh, typically is high blood pressure in pregnancy with a little bit of protein in your urine. Your kidneys leak out protein um, when they're not supposed to. Um, There are a few other... um, signs that we see in blood tests um, that you wouldn't know that you had unless you go in and see your doctor. Okay. And this is an obvious one. If you know you're having contractions, you should probably call your doctor. But my question is, let's break this down a little bit. Can you actually have regular contractions, you know, in your first or second trimester? Or is is this really just geared more towards the third trimester? You can have contractions in the first and second trimester. We don't necessarily call them contractions because you can't really distinguish one from the other. It just feels like constant cramping. Um, A lot of women experience intermittent cramping, which is just growth of the uterus, versus if you were going to have a miscarriage or threatened miscarriage, you would feel just like constant menstrual light cramping or low back ache. So, you know, and that essentially is the uterus contracting. It's just that you don't have this five or 10 minute break between uh, every time the uterus contracts. In the... In the second or third trimester, you know, so let's say 24 weeks and on, um, I usually tell patients if you're between 24 weeks and 37 weeks, so that's the preterm time frame, um, call your doctor if you have six or more contractions per hour. um, Or if you're full term, so 37 weeks or more, I usually tell patients um, you want to call once your contractions are occurring at five-minute intervals, lasting one minute each for at least one hour. So if you've taken childbirth classes before, they probably talked about the 5-1-1 rule, um, which is exactly that. Contractions every five minutes, lasting one minute for an hour. And realistically, you really need strong, painful contractions that you can't even talk through in order to start dilating. Okay. Unfortunately, pain equals progress. <laughs> <laughs> I like that saying, though. That's kind of catchy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And lack of fetal movement, which this is why we do kick counts and stuff like that when we go to the doctor. I mean, it's one of those things that always was kind of annoying to me, to be honest. What's your kick count level? Oh, I don't know what it is this time. But that's why we do it, because if our babies aren't as active, something could be wrong. Absolutely. Some uh, some practitioners don't use fetal movement counts, and I'm going to call them fetal movement counts instead of fetal kick counts. Kick counts 
is a little bit more catchy, but um, it doesn't have to be a kick. Um, usually we say you should have 10 movements uh, within an hour. Um, and I usually start my patients monitoring the movements about 28 to 30 weeks um, because babies have their peak movement at 27 to 28 weeks. Um, so before that time, it, it's hard to keep a little tiny baby to that expectation because they're probably moving more than you actually feel. So if you sit down and you try to count the movements and it takes you five minutes to feel the baby move 10 times, awesome. You're done for the day. You don't have to count until the next day. But if you're sitting there for an hour and you haven't felt 10 movements, try drinking something super cold, like a big glass of ice water or try having a snack. And usually the the baby will wake up. But if the baby doesn't wake up, then that could be a sign that something's wrong. So it's a good idea to call your doctor or midwife or just go into the hospital. I tell my patients, if I'm not here and there isn't somebody in the office, just go ahead and go on into labor and delivery and they'll monitor the baby to make sure everything's okay. Occasionally, it'll just be a sleep cycle where the baby will be sleeping for an hour or two. And we have a few little tricks that we can use in the hospital um, to wake the baby up and get them to move like we want them to. Um, I had a patient uh, a couple years ago um, that called our office complaining of uh, decreased fetal movement. She was 32 weeks. She had um, just started doing her movement counts. And uh, she did end up having Listeria, which is a, um, a bad organism that can um, be uh, acquired through eating like deli meats yeah, or say, you know, soft like cheeses. Yeah, exactly. That about, right? Exactly. And it can cross the placenta and uh, cause stillbirth in the baby. So, anyway, we ended up delivering that patient early um, because of it. So, fetal movement counts actually saved her baby. So, since that experience for me, I really feel strongly that movement counts are very valuable. Yeah. And mm-hmm. no one knows your baby better than yourself. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Being able to, That's right. to time those kicks. You have to just use yeah. your intuition. Yeah. You know, if you have a baby that moves just nonstop, and even if you feel the baby moving a little bit, but it just doesn't seem normal for you, I would go ahead and call. You tend to feel um, the babies move a little bit less in the last month of pregnancy because they're so squished, their head down, mm-hmm. they're big and they're chunky and they can't <laughs> extend their arms and their legs. Um, so their movements tend to be more subtle. So you have to kind of look for the more subtle movements at the end. But I still think you have to use your intuition. If something doesn't feel right, you should definitely go in to get it checked out. Yeah, and I think that applies to everything we've talked about today. You know, use your mother's intuition. You know, if you don't think something's right, like I said at the beginning of the show, call your doctor. But these are some of the the big things that we definitely want you to call your doctor if you do notice. Absolutely. So, Erin, thank you so much for joining us My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. I absolutely loved it. If you would like to share your experience, with having any of these symptoms that we mentioned today. We would love to hear it. You can continue our conversation on Twitter. Just use the hashtag NewMommyMedia. And you can also find us on Facebook or simply leave a message on our website under the episodes page. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Before we wrap today's show, here are some baby registry secrets. 
Hi, Preggy Pulse. My name is Hevian, sales associate at Agana Baby, here to discuss some tips you want to consider when creating the perfect baby registry. Our fifth and final topic is to spread the word. You want everyone to know that you have registered as well as where you registered at. The only way people will know to check out your registry is if you inform them. Of course, you don't want to be too pushy about it. Don't start off a conversation with a friend by telling them you registered, but if they ask about your pregnancy or ask about what they can do to help, you can kindly tell them that you are registered, so checking that out will be more than enough. Most people will want to get you some sort of gift, so the registry is also a good way of getting things you actually will need or want, so it's good to use it to your advantage as best you can. Don't feel like you're being selfish or needy. Registries actually make everything easier for everyone else. They take all of the trouble out of shopping and deciding what might be the best gift for you and your baby. If they know you already want a certain item, it will be easy for them to decide on and they can feel good about their gift as they already know that you're certain to appreciate it. Be sure to also tell everyone where you are registered, especially if you're registered at multiple locations. Not every store has everything you want, so even if someone knows you want a certain item, it is good to let them know where to make the purchase. Also, some stores will do specials or discounts for registry items, so there will be a benefit to both you and your friends. For more tips on creating the perfect baby registry, as well as what to include in the registry, visit aganababy.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at aganababy. And be sure to listen to Peggy Pauls for more great registry tips in the future. That wraps up our show for today. If you have any questions about today's topic or any pregnancy-related question, you can always ask our experts. Simply send us an email or you can call our Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a pregnancy topic you would like to suggest, I would love to hear it. You can visit our website at preggypals.com and send me an email. Thanks for listening to Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. 
It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.